The Top 60 and 60 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Listen every day at 1.30 as Hans and Scotty announce another member of the Top 60 players in the state of Utah, counting you down to the start of the college football season. It's the Top 60 and 60 presented by Cypress Credit Union and Icon Health and Fitness on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Time now to welcome in Dan Feldman. He covers the NBA for NBC Sports Pro Basketball Talk. Dan, good morning. Hey, how you doing? Good. So, Dan, you've been around the NBA long enough to know jazz fans crave a few things. National respect, a championship. I'm wondering if you view the jazz. Well, how did you view them before game one of the Clippers series? And did that change anything when you watched that game? I've been high on the Jazz all year. I've, I, you know, I, I viewed them as uh, going into the season as a very, very safe playoff team, uh, one of the better teams in the West. I think a little higher than most people. It didn't take me long to recognize that this is a championship contender. That everything is coming together. Uh, that said, there are multiple championship contenders uh, this year. There are seemingly more than we've had in a long time, and the Clippers are one of them. Uh, you know, a win in a best of seven series is so important, and the Jazz got that. They're up one zero. That's a big deal. I also think the Clippers, you know, coming off that seven game series against the Mavericks, playing at altitude, uh, they did. Uh, they looked fatigued at times. They went deeper with the rotation. They didn't look particularly sharp. Uh, I think Kawhi Leonard is such a great postseason player that I probably think the Clippers will be the slightly better team throughout the rest of this po- uh, playoff series. But being slightly better uh, might not be enough once you're down 1-0. You've got to be somewhat significantly better, and I'm not sure the Clippers will do that. I think this is uh, the most intriguing second-round series, and I think it could go either way. So as we approach the second game, what did you see in game one that caught your eye that could both teams could be able to use to their benefit in game two and the rest of the series? Um, well, well, I think the Clippers uh, need to get better personnel on the floor. I think you know, a lot of Luke Kennard, Donovan Mitchell could take advantage there. Um, and, and I think that was most likely because you know what we were just saying about the fatigue coming off that Dallas series. Uh, so if the Clippers can get per- better personnel on the floor, I think that, that bodes well for them. But Donovan Mitchell is a really good playoff player. Uh, he has stepped up in the postseason enough times now to, to know he can do this. Uh, he, he hasn't reached a level where you can count on him doing that every game, uh, but he's definitely capable. And so I, you know, I think especially as long as Mike Conley's out, a lot of this is going to ride on how hot Donovan Mitchell is. Law was made of the Clippers' ability to go small, but I thought when they went big, they made some plays. How would you play it if you were Ty Lue going forward? Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. They were better when they, they went big, uh, but in theory, on paper, it does seem like their small lineup can give the, the Jazz a, a little bit more trouble. Rudy Gobert is better in space than he used to be. He's fine. He's good even, uh, but he's much better when he can camp out in the paint. Like That's when he's at his very best. Uh, so if you can get Rudy Gobert not playing to his strength, uh, so I'm not sure, you know, because it, like you said, it did work better in game one when they went big. Uh, I think you've just got to be open to see uh, either way. I think, it, you know, it's still a feel out portion of the series, figuring out what's going to work, what doesn't, uh, which specific matchups are, are helping. Um, Cause I, I don't think it's clear. I think going into the series, it looked like going small would, would be better. And now it's unclear. I'm sort of thinking as this series progresses that we may not have any flow from one game to the next. 
So whatever I saw in game one, <laughs> I don't know that I can really bank and count on game two and so forth. Do you think that is accurate? Well, I think it's more so true from game one because the Clippers were in such a different situation uh, because of the fatigue. And, uh, you know, if Mike Conley comes back, that's going to swing things again. Uh, but maybe once the series settles in, we'll see more to game to game flow. Uh, but yeah, I think for the early part of the series, I think you're right uh, th- that it might be a little disconnected. I'm with you on the Clippers looking, looking fatigued, looking tired, looking worn out. You know, it's uh win a game seven and you got to play two days later on the road at elevation, but I don't know that they get their legs under them for game two. They don't have uh, a three day break here. I mean, they're going to play every other day. Maybe it helps being back home with their crowd and no elevation. Uh, do you think this is just going to be an issue for them when you see the massive minutes that somebody like Kawhi Leonard had to play? I mean, it might continue to be an issue, but they did expand their rotation in game one, uh, I think with the idea of, all right, let's get our legs back under us uh, for the rest of the series. It's not like they threw the game. They were right there. In the end, their, their top players still played a, a good amount. Um, but but I think the hope for them is that the reset. But no, it very much could be that, that they're just tired the the rest of the way that they're they're worn down and feeling it, and the Jazz have this energy advantage. You think it gets chippy at all? It could. I mean, there, I think there are uh, enough players on, on both teams who uh, opponents don't like going against who can frustrate opponents, uh, which might be a compliment to, to all of those players. Um, you know, so yeah, it, it could. I think the longer a playoff series goes, there's more room for that. Guys get tired of, of seeing each other. And uh, I think there's more potential for this series to go longer than any other second round series. All right. Do you mean Patrick Beverly or Joe Ingles or both? <laughs> you can throw Patrick Ingles uh, or Patrick Beverly in there for sure. Joe Ingles. Absolutely. Uh, I think Rudy Gobert can get on some opponents' nerves. Uh, Marcus Morris definitely can. Yeah, Rajon right. Rondo. It, it's not a short list uh, <laughs> between these teams. So I thought that earlier in the week that the winner of this series would go on to the finals. Now I've seen the Suns go up 2-0. I'm starting to have a little bit of doubt. How about you? I, I, again, I think this is a wide-open year, more so than we've we've seen in a while. Uh the Suns are a championship contender, absolutely. Right there with the Jazz, right there with the Clippers. Uh, I'm just more fascinated to see how it plays out. The Suns are, are really, really good in, in some similar ways to how, how the Jazz are good. Uh, they play hard. They play together. They have good depth. They've got underrated uh, top-level talent. Chris Paul has been you know, such a good playoff player throughout his career. Everybody gets hung up uh, on a few disappointing moments, and those are real. Those happen. Those count, too. But even if you count those, his overall record in the postseason has been awesome individually. Um, and now now he's got a, a good young team around him. Uh, I like how they defend versatility. I like how they can create their, their own shot uh, with Paul, with Devin Booker. Uh, they're a really good team. It, it's, uh, I hope, and it probably will be how it goes, but I hope when we're done with, with this postseason, we don't look as, oh, Whichever team of you know the Jazz or the Suns or even the Clippers doesn't win the West, oh, they were frauds. They didn't have it. No, these are all really good teams. I don't think the Nuggets are there once Jamal Murray got hurt. But these other three teams, they're all really good. Only one can win. 
We're joined right now by Dan Feldman. He covers the NBA for NBC Sports Pro Basketball Talk. Uh, you say this is the series with the best chance to go along. I think the only other one would be Atlanta, New York. Don't you think Denver and Milwaukee are both beat, and they know they're beat? Uh, yeah, I mean, teams up 2-0 after winning the first two games at home win 94% of the time. It's not that the series are done, uh, but they look fairly close to done. Uh, 76ers-Hawks, it's a little more even. Uh, but I also think the 76ers have been the better team throughout the season. Uh, Joel Embiid looks healthy. You wouldn't really be able to tell he's injured. Uh, so I think Philadelphia has a, a pretty big advantage there. But that is the other one with a little more intrigue because uh, the way the Nets have beaten the Bucks uh, and the way the Suns have, have beaten the Nuggets, it's hard to see those trailing teams coming back. You okay with Rudy Gobert as the depoy? Uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm not okay with, uh, all the votes Ben Simmons got. Uh, I think it was Rudy Gobert by a landslide. I do think uh, that Rudy Gobert is a, is a better regular season defender than playoff defender. And he's a great playoff defender too. Uh, he's just even better in the regular season. This is a regular season award. Uh, I, I think his victory should have been even more decisive. Well, he got 84 out of hundred votes, but I'm sure jazz fans wouldn't mind it if it was unanimous. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't know if there was an award race this year where I thought there was a runaway winner more so than Rudy Gobert for Defensive Player of the Year. And honestly, I think this was like, I know everybody out in Utah loathes Ben Simmons campaigning for this award, Doc Rivers campaigning for Ben Simmons. I think it worked. I think without that campaign, I don't think Ben Simmons gets 15 first-place votes. How much do you believe in Paul George in the postseason? Ooh. Uh, more than most people do, uh, but definitely not. Uh, it's not complete faith. He definitely has his downer games, including game one. Uh, but he has been in the postseason a long time. He's very up and down. I think people forget how good he was with the Pacers, leading them uh, deep into the playoffs, going toe-to-toe with the eventual champion Heat. Uh, he's had a lot of good playoff moments. He can be very good in the playoffs. Don't overlook him. Don't just assume uh, that he's not going to come through for his team because he will sometimes. He just doesn't do it all the time. So when it's all done, is it the Nets or does Harden have to stay healthy? Ooh, yeah, you know, I, I do think the Nets at this point are the most likely team to win the title, but I would take the field uh, over them still. They're obviously, they're obviously more talented with James Harden when he's healthy. Uh, but I'm not sure totally how much he adds. There's some diminishing returns on the scoring at a certain point once you have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Those guys are so good. Such great shot makers can do it in the playoffs. James Harden, again, as the talent level, makes their offense even more dangerous. Uh, but the way the Nets have defended in this series against the Bucs, I've been so impressed. And some of that is having better defensive personnel on the floor when you're not playing James Harden. That's some of it. Now, Harden steps up his defense a little bit in these playoffs, too. I think all the Nets have. Uh, but he's not naturally a really good defender. Uh, he's good at a couple of things he, you know, here and there. He's good in the post. He's good when he's in his individual matchup. When it comes to team defense, he can be lazy. He can lose his man. A lot of things can go wrong there. Uh, and, and so I, I think maybe even without James Harden, uh, the Nets are a different team in some ways. In some ways, they're a better team without him. In some ways, they're better with him. Uh, maybe some of that's a little matchup dependent exactly how you want to play to it. Uh, but they're able to handle having Harden gone fairly well. Do you think the biggest NBA news of the week so far is that LeBron is changing numbers next season? <laughs> 
you know, from, from interactions on our site, uh, it might be. Everybody's very interested in this. And, oh, man, what, what a story. Years in the making, talking about giving up his number for Anthony Davis. I mean, what a, what a feel-good story. And it's going to sell a lot of jerseys. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, if you got all the LeBron jerseys, I get, I get the new ones, and you know, new jer- every team's got new jerseys every year, and so you're going to have to get the number sixes for next year, and the year after, and the year after, and uh, yeah, I mean, if uh, if that's important to you, if selling jerseys is important to you, this is a great move uh, for the rest of us. Eh, who cares? <laughs> I've already asked my parents to get it for me for Christmas. Oh, stop. <laughs> Well, I, I guess you got to be good between now and December. Exactly. And, uh, the onus is on me and, now for the rest of the year. No jersey Excellent for point. PK. Excellent point. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Dan, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right, Dan Feldman covers the NBA for NBC Sports Pro Basketball Talk. You can read him there. I feel dirty. And that's because? Because I agree with you. For what? This idea of the tough Mavericks series, which it was, no doubt, obviously, a ton of energy was expended with uh, Leonard and George averaging 40.7 minutes, both of them right on the dot. That's a lot of minutes to be playing in a course of seven games, plus the just the emotional nature of it rather than strictly physical. And if they were a little gassed in game one, I don't see how they get ungassed because the amount of rest time doesn't change. that big, yeah. He uh, Kawhi Leonard got him foul trouble, so he didn't play as many minutes. I wonder if they hadn't had foul trouble, and I have to go back and look at the box score, but it seems like other people had foul trouble too. If they didn't have foul trouble, would they have spread the minutes around? Is the only way for them to win to play Kawhi and Paul George yes. for 40 minutes? But he didn't get into foul trouble. They chose to take him out. Foul trouble is when you have five. <laughs> Well, you know, coach is going to take him out when you get two in the first well, quarter. Well, I know. Now, but the, the third no, one no he got. There's no rule that says you have to. The third one he got right before halftime, so he only would have played an extra 45 and seconds they took him or out, whatever. Yeah. yeah. But I just wonder you don't foul. Don't put yourself in the position of foul. I, it just frustrates me sometimes when you see this. It's a postseason, and oh, he got, I got two fouls. I got to take him out. As if it's a bylaw. The NBA bylaws, hold on. So I don't think it was foul trouble. He had two fouls, and they chose to take him out. Second foul, I got to go. You don't have to go. That's the point. And he's smart enough, and I wonder how how much the referees, how much guts do they have to call a foul on their star player in a playoff game when everybody in their dog who's interested is watching. It better be where you ran over somebody and it becomes so blatantly obvious you had no choice. And not playing big minutes. I mean, he still played 36 minutes. That's right. That would be a big number for most people, but because he's Kawhi Leonard and he's coming off a series average in 40, it feels like he didn't play as much. But I wonder if they'll try to run him out there for 40 in this game. Well, if you you got to win the game. I mean, you don't literally have to win this game. But. Yeah, but the pressure's on. You don't want to be down 0-2, and I know they came back in the last round from 0-2, but you can't keep playing with fire. And... Yeah, I don't know how much you can count on your home court. You lost two there, didn't you? To start, right? You lose three. You no, they one lost in three. three. You went one and three yeah. at home, and you advanced. Yeah, with six straight losses. How many times does that happen? <laughs> and, and you're not uh, going to have... The only other team that I can think that went one and... Th- well, I can, they didn't. They went one and two. Because when the Jazz played the Clippers, that was uh, the, the home team only won two games in that series. I don't even remember when that was. 
2017. Joe Johnson hits the shot, game I, one. I, I mean, I don't remember. I mean, Maryland You don't remember how the series a, went? Yeah, yeah, the road team won five I out of seven. I remember Joe Johnson hitting a shot. shot. Yes, yes, I do. Road team won five out of seven. That, and that. I know they won game seven, but I can't remember anything, anything in else game seven. in the middle. I just remember Joe Johnson hitting the shot of that whole series. That's the only thing I remember. You don't remember Rudy Gobert got hurt. Like okay, now opening, you say that. Yes, in the opening yeah. minute of the opening game, I think he yes. played. It might have been the first possession, actually. It was, and then Derek Favors came up. Fa- Favors was really good, and okay. Gobert came back in Game Four, I think, maybe five. And then what are they supposed to have? Seven thousand fans. <laughs> All you Utah Republicans, aren't you grateful that we have a Democrat <laughs> there now? <laughs> and I think all that will change in the next round, but they got to be there in the next round for it to change. Oh, in the conference final round you're speaking. Well, of? I don't know what's going well, on because it's in, sold out. I don't know what's going on because it's indoors, and so I don't know the rules in California that well. Go but I've read, but I've read multiple right outdoors. I've read multiple things about that would be awesome. I've read multiple things about the baseball teams in mid June are all going to full capacity, regardless of location. I know the Padres are. I think the Dodgers are. The A's. No one writes about that because they won't even if the rules change. So it's the Giants and the Angels that I'd have to have to check on. But I've seen stories about the Dodgers and the Padres. Oh, well, they'll crowds. be done, so it won't matter. Right, that's the thing, is I don't know what it'll matter in mid <laughs> They'll be on our rearview mirror. Be all Phoenix all the time at that point. You know, oh, man, it's going to be blazing hot, too. You showed me your phone the other day. When does it go to 110? Oh, 110? Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> it was uh, like a 111. Well, if it's 100 here. Katie bar the door down there. <laughs> there was a thing PK showed me the phone in a commercial. Goes, look at this, and there was like uh, four days in the hundreds, I think, and then it went to one eleven and didn't go down. For, tomorrow's one oh six. Then Saturday one oh nine. Sunday one eleven, and that's the coolest day of the next week. <laughs> Monday one fifteen. Tuesday one seventeen. Three day of this. Three consecutive days of 117, sandwiched by 115 on both sides of those three consecutive days. I'm telling you, that is the number one reason why these kids leave to go play college ball elsewhere. You can blame whatever coach or whatever coaching staff you want, but as long as it's 117 degrees, they want out. Kids are going to take an offer and go to Utah or California. They want to try something they'll else. Go to, they'll go to heat and humidity in Texas and Florida. They don't care. They're gone. And it, it's like you know an illness is coming and there's nothing you can do about it. So you get to May. Like I was talking to my sister. It's her birthday. I told you she went over to uh, Del Mar in that area the other day. Mm-hmm. And she was talking to me because it was at the end of May. And she was talking to me, yeah, we know when we go home. We know what we're facing. And it's exactly the way it is. You just you know it's coming and there's zero you can do about it and you absolutely dread it. It's the only place, the only city in the country where everybody dreads summer. Now, I will say that in other areas it's gotten very very hot and humid so it's not like you can go to the hottest place i ever played golf was at the lsu golf course in august when i was down there for the watchdog covering utah state and they have a golf course and i played it because i had a couple days and humidity and all was it was just awful and i grew up playing in 115 and it was brutal so you know, there's not a whole lot of places you can go to escape it. But they, but the thing about this is this is every freaking day until the middle of October now. Well, the San Diego State's coaching staff better get on it. Just start mailing them weather reports. 
texting him the weather every day. What's his name? What's the guy's name? The coach? The Michigan guy? Can't think of his name. Brady Hoke. Brady Hoke, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of talent there, man. So it's 79 much. here today. So nice ocean much. breeze. <laughs> yeah. come, come over to the Mesa. Let's I, do this. I don't thing. have um, on my phone, I don't have San Diego, but I have Manhattan Beach. Well, it's not going to be that different. No, the high. Well, for them, next week in the middle, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be warm in the west because next Wednesday they got 81, and that's upper level for them. So all around next week, I mean, I guess today and tomorrow it's supposed to be cooler here, but I think it, I think it plays a, a factor in kids wanting to get out. Yeah, absolutely. I think they want to try something different, man, because they just get so sick of it. Uh, I know I was sick of it. My, and when I finally moved out, uh, it was July 4th, and we wanted to do something to be cool. So we we're going to, I was first year of my marriage. And we're going to get, uh, we go to a movie. And I go to the theater. I'd like to see this show. We're sold out. I'd like to see this show. We're sold out. I want to see this show. Sold. You got anything? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. You, you, you couldn't have told me that straight up that you just don't have any. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she made me go like three different things. And so we went bowling just because at that point. Anything to go out? Yeah. And out I, of the house, we were but in a, stay indoors. We were in an apartment in Mesa, and I was paying for utilities. And so my wife's a first-year teacher, and I'm working making a cool 16000 which was my second newspaper job, which was a $5,000 raise. Nice! I remember when I got uh, the Mesa Tribune. How much do you want? Uh, okay, big shot, man. I'm like 23 years old. You know, man. Well, yeah. I think, you know, maybe uh, 300 a week. Oh, man. Oh, no, no. I'm open. I'm open. I'm open. <laughs> <laughs> I want the job so bad. <laughs> and they gave it to me, which equated, I think, if you do the math, to 16000 My first job <laughs> offer in a radio station in Santa Barbara was six hours a day, six days a week, no benefits, $800 a month. And I said, no. I can't oh, live on did? that. Yeah, I can't live on that. Wow. And I wanted it, and I told the guy, John, I just was telling you about him today because it's his birthday and it popped up on Facebook. I told John Palmentary, I said, I want the job. I want it really bad, but I can't live on that. I mean, you know what it costs to rent. I what am I going to do? I'm not going to be able to pay. So carry it through. He said, let me get back to you. And he came back and got from the, uh, the owners, whatever, five days a week, eight hours a day benefits a thousand dollars a month. I'm in. I took it. It's not bad. Yeah. And, and, and had a roommate. It was five guys in a four bedroom house and we're all splitting the rent because Santa Barbara's freakishly expensive. So that was the only way to make it work, but it made it work. Cool. So, all right, DJ and PK, when we come back, everything you missed in this show. We're getting you up to speed next. Rudy, Defensive Player of the Year, Game 2, Clipper Jokes. Yak, you got a couple more Clipper Jokes for the people. Yeah, we do. All right, we'll play some of those for you. We'll do it next. DJ and PK, get you up to speed. Stay with us. It was a night to remember at a packed Vivint Arena. Oh my goodness gracious, Donovan! As the Utah Jazz picked up an emotional Game 1 victory. Round 2 between the Jazz and Clippers continues Thursday at 8 with the Jazz Live pregame show beginning at 7 on your exclusive home of the Utah Jazz. 97.5-1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Just 